Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 823 with Mikey Sorboro. I would say if there's a theme over the last couple of years, we are leaner, we are meaner, we are way more uh, nimble than we used to be. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Restaurant owners know it could be almost impossible to keep everything up to date, even making adjustments on your menu. And I know it's probably one of the most important marketing tools out there, if not the most important marketing tool. That's why I'm so happy to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. Pop Menu seriously is the full digital solution for independent restaurant owners. When you invest in Pop Menu, you get a dynamic interactive menu that hooks your customers from the start. And let me tell you, they really do love that review feature. You get a mobile-friendly website, and I cannot stress to you enough how many people miss the importance of a solid website. And you also get marketing and integrations to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. What are you waiting for? As you can see, Pop Menu gives restaurateurs all the tools they need to put the focus back on what matters the most, the people, and the food. Trust me, if you are a restaurant owner, you need to check out Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, my listeners get $100 off their first month plus an unchanging lifetime rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant unstoppable, listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. 
What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder that this podcast needs your support. There's a few ways you can do it. You can support our sponsors. You can support our affiliates. And actually, whenever you use a link in Restaurant Unstoppable or you reach out to a tool or service you heard or learned about on the show, do me a favor. CC me, Eric, at restaurantstoppable.com when you reach out to that company so I can make sure that you're that they're knowing that you're attached to this podcast and then share this thing with anybody and everybody you guys know who's aspiring to be great. So today I'm talking to Mikey Saboro. So this is not Mikey's first time on the show. Uh, Mikey's first episode was 426 and I actually interviewed Mikey just before uh, going on the road to the for the first time to go on the road and he hosted me in columbus ohio uh one of the first cities i visited going back almost four years ago it's crazy to think when i took restaurant unstoppable on the road and i wouldn't have been able to do it without people like mikey supporting me and giving me a place to crash and just just so grateful to know mikey and really one of the big things i'm trying to do with restaurant unstoppable is to go deeper develop better relationships and continuing to make an example of the people who've really impressed me in these 820 plus interviews. And Mikey Saboro is absolutely on that list. So Mikey is the founder and uh, I don't know if, if he just goes by a founder. I don't know if he has the CEO title officially, if they, they're kind of an informal company. So we'll just call him the founder. So he, the founder of Mikey's late night slice and odd fellows in Columbus, Ohio. And I highly recommend that you listen to episode 426, kind of get familiar with the conversation, get familiar with Mikey because today we're kind of just picking up where we left off. I pick up on some questions. I kind of wish I asked her in the first episode and we take it from there. Like where were they when I last, interview them and where are they today and a lot of great things came out of today's episode and something else kind of came out of today's episode uh i'm starting to open up a little bit more and get creative and to use these interviews to be self-serving hey mikey like what advice do you have for me if this is what i want to do uh and that comes out in today's episode and something that's something i really want to start doing going forward is uh when i'm going back to these people in my network to just See if I can't get some literal real time mentoring uh, once I share my vision. And it's scary to, to share your vision, but I'm, I'm trying to lead by example. And the whole, the whole point of having a vision and uh, writing these things down is so you can share it, so you can keep yourself accountable, so you, stay, so you can stay on track. Uh, and when you share your vision, it, you're, you're putting it out there and people, you attract onto yourself people that can make it happen. And that's kind of what I hope happens by me sharing my vision. I have to admit, anything that's said today isn't necessarily going to happen. We're having fun. We're brainstorming. There's some silly things I say. Uh, and I just want to make sure you guys know that you, know, you, get, you have to have fun with the dreaming process. And not everything that comes out of your mouth is actually going to happen. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, I think you'll know what I'm talking about when I, when I reference calzones, meaning underwear in uh, Spanish. So that's all I'll say. All right. No more further ado. Here he is, Mikey Sorboro. With excitement, allow me to welcome back on the show for a second time. We're not sure if it's the third time. We can't find the second episode if, if this is the third time. We can't find the first one. <laughs> the first one is 426. So if it's and I haven't, we don't even know who we're talking to yet. This is Mikey Saboro from Late Night Slice. And man, if you guys did not catch episode 426, I'm telling you right now, hit pause, head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 426. That's our original conversation where we share Mikey's come up and how he got to where he was in 2018, January of 2018. Today, we're picking up where we left off and 
uh, maybe we're talking a little bit about, about the future and uh, I, I'm really excited for today's conversation. But before we get going, before we start, you know, the conversation where we left off, like, you know, what we got to do you, this isn't your first rodeo. We got to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling yep. with a success quote or mantra. Well, first, Eric, I am feeling unstoppable. <laughs> uh, and my, my success quarter mantra is, uh, you know, this is something that we've pulled, and this is our rally cry during COVID, which is don't give up the ship. And Ooh. we will dig into that, I'm sure, a little bit later. But uh, that is, you know, that was, our, that was our, our, our mantra about being resilient, about being creative, about making it through, about not giving up. So, you know, that's really stuck with us. We got a flag in the office. I got a flag hanging from my house that says, don't give up the ship. I love that. Um, and that, that was, you know, something that's really resonated with us over the last, you know, 16 or so in, months. You know what I love about that? And thinking about my, my good friend, Mario Del Perro from Mendocino farm is talking about language and culture. And we need to create language and culture, things mm-hmm. that identify us with uh, the, the group and like having little like slogans like that, that echo day in and day out, like, like mantras and chants are so powerful. Absolutely. Oh, do you know, would you get into why they're so powerful? Uh, I mean, it, it, what it does is it, 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 it consolidates everybody's thinking to one channel to, you know, everything we do, everything we did over the last, you know, almost two years was, you know, no matter what gets thrown at us, we don't give up. Yeah. You know, we didn't know what we were going to look like after COVID, but we knew we'd be here. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, when you have culture, culture is language, you know, it's the things you use. It's what you call people. You know, we don't have employees. We have paisans, yep. pot paisans. It's our little pizza making thing, you know, all your culture is about the things that you name the specific, you know, aspects of your company. So, um, you know, don't give up the ship for us was, you know, that was our big umbrella rally cry that, you know, that said we were going to be resilient, that said we were going to be creative, that said no matter what gets thrown at us, we will make it to the end of this thing. No matter how long it takes, we will be here. We don't know what we're going to look like. But we're going to be here. I love this, man. Great way to get it started. And I can't believe I didn't ask if you're feeling unstoppable, but, but you knew. <laughs> I got it, you, man. You knew. And uh, that's just how comfortable I am around you. I don't think I've ever for, forgotten to ask my guests if they're feeling unstoppable. <laughs> I'm just so comfortable around you. So before we get started, I mean, we're already kind of into it, but I think it's important to point out to my listeners that uh, when I first interviewed Mikey back in January of 2018, that was the first road trip, like the real deal road trip where I, you know, no turning back. What's that? Like burn the ships, like no turning back. Like I'm in this, like I was, I was three and a half, four years into restaurant unstoppable. And I, at this point, like the majority of my interviews had been remotely and I was kind of doing some local onsite interviews, but this was the point where I was like, I'm going all out. Like I'm going in my car, my Honda fit. I'm just going to who will, who will ever receive me. And Mikey was on that first road trip. I stopped first in Pittsburgh and I came to Columbus, Ohio and you made that first trip possible. And you, and you helped me realize that the, this vision that I had of just going and sitting down in restaurants and talking to restaurant tours was possible. And I kind of feel guilty because I recorded the interview before I got here because I was so desperate for interviews. And then you're like, I was hoping you would do it in person. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come back. Cause I wanted to give you that opportunity to do it in, in person. Right, and here right. we are today, yeah. but I just want to say thank you, man, because you made it possible. And I probably, if I didn't have that support from that, that first wave of people, when I say, I want to do this, if I didn't have people come back and say, come, come visit me, come here. I probably wouldn't be here today. So thank you so much. Like I wouldn't be here without you. Well, like I said, man, that, that is a very mutual sentiment because you know, I have personally gotten so much from listening to the interviews that you've done. So I've gained so much from your hard work too. Um, so I, I throw that one right back. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. When you first reached out to me, like I, I, 
for some reason back then, and even to this day, like I don't believe my own success and people like congratulate me often. And I'm just like, for what? I'm nowhere near where I want to be. I'm so far away. Uh, but like, I just didn't, I couldn't believe that people like yourself were even listening to the show. Like something like, at this point you were successful, you know, and you listened to the show and it kind of just like surprised me. And, um, it kind of took me by, it took me off guard, frankly. And I, I was happy you reached out to me because we're friends today and this is, I know this is going to be a good one. So let's just kind of get into it, man. So in 2018, three food trucks, two brick and mortars in a delivery commissary. And that's where we left off again, hit pause, go back to episode 426. If you want to get caught up, what has happened since kind of go to 30,000 feet and just cruise. Yeah. So like present day, well, COVID we can skip over. That. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. So, you know, we are uh, a way different organization than we were three, almost four years ago now. Um, you know, we pared down to one food truck. I, w- I would say if there's a theme over the last couple of years, we are leaner, we are meaner, we are way more uh, nimble than we used to be. You know, back in the day, when we, for, when we I guess, last recorded a talk, um, we were just big and bloated and kind of fat and happy, and we were just unfocused. You know, we were, we were, we were making money. We were, we were arguably successful, but, you know, what we didn't have was we didn't have an idea of what, you know, the business was going to be when it, when it grew, when it grew up. And I think COVID really forced that hand. Um, and, and so we're, you know, we can talk about that and how much better we are than we were uh, 18 months ago. But I think the things that have changed since 2018 is that we've just realized that, you know, things can make money, but it doesn't mean we should be making money at them. So that doesn't mean we should be taking every opportunity because, to be frank, you know, less does equal more when it comes to, um, you know, your focus. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to grow a concept. So you, so I don't quite understand. You can't make money, but we shouldn't be making money at them. What do you mean by that? So, you know, every one of us, and I, I, (laughs) there's going to be a really awesome thing that's happening to all of us restaurateurs right now, where since COVID, there are those who didn't make it unfortunately too tired not strong enough too new too weak whatever and is it unfortunate i, I think it is you know <laughs> yeah, you, don't, you never you. want anybody to fail no of course. but if, you know I, yeah i hear what you're saying yeah i mean so it is unfortunate but what it is ha- what's happening is there's a ton of opportunities for those of us who have made it all right and there's people going to be and, and and this is just the tip of the iceberg this is the beginning of all those opportunities for second generation spaces for spaces with a hood, <laughs> let's say, that are going to be, you know, not a $750,000 build or, or whatever your you know, concept costs you to build. It's going to be, you know, a third of that, a, a quarter of that, uh, a fraction of that, because there's going to be all these opportunities. So what we're seeing, I think, and what we're going to continue to see is all these opportunities getting thrown at those of us who have made it. Now, the hard part about that is going to be is should you take on that opportunity, right? And so when I say that, yeah, we could make money there, but should we? Okay, right? I get it now. So is there, you know, another concept? Is there, you know, is there, is there something, is there a business that, you know, we could buy that takes us a little bit away from our focus? Should we're in pizza and, and, and booze, you know, there's a sandwich shop that, you know, is, 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 you know, wants to be partnered with us or something like that. Okay. Should we go into sandwiches? Yeah, we could make money, but should we, yeah. if we're trying to grow these, the, you know, the, the core concept. So the saying that I like to echo that I think 
is really close paralleling what you say is everything you say yes to is something else you have to say no to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So be careful. And it's weird because there's a lot of contradicting advice out there. Like say yes to everything. Sure. And then be careful what you say yes to because you can't say yes to everything because, right. you, you know, I think kind of what we off air, we were saying like when you get started, say yes to everything. Yeah. But over time, as you evolve, as you grow up, you got to figure out what your niche is, where your area of focus is, right. and then start to shed some of that weight and do one thing really well. Exactly. So I think we're aligned. Yeah. Yeah, man. So what things did you start to shed? Get back to the idea of the things that you mentioned, a sandwich shop. Um, what were you, where were you going with that thought? You know, back in 2018, we had, we had bought a, a concept and it was a, a restaurant that had gone through a couple of owners. Um, I swear to God, to this day, the place is built on an Indian burial ground. Like, <laughs> I, I swear to God it is. Um, like literally, or you no? Think so? I, I figure I, I wouldn't, <laughs> let's say I wouldn't be surprised. There were a lot of Indians out here. <laughs> there yeah. was, uh, and I, I'm convinced this place was built on an Indian burial ground. Anyway, um, it was just it was cursed. Uh, not that we did the best job at it, and I'll be the first one to admit that. But you know those those things. You know, there's been a few things like that. We had three food trucks. We didn't need three. We needed one. All right, so we just pared it down to one. We got rid of that that concept that you know was you know not part of our our core concept. Um, so today, you know, we're looking at a concept late night slice and odd fellows that has eight locations, one food truck. Um, we have a couple of concert venues in, in Columbus and Cincinnati, uh, that we're going to be doing. And we've also, you know, experienced growth during COVID when we didn't think growth was possible, nor did we really want to grow, but an opportunity to work with uh, Hollywood Casino and Penn National Gaming uh, kind of fell in our lap, and that kind of developed a little bit of a licensing deal for us where we put our concept in. Uh, we have it in open in one casino here, and we're going to be open in, an, in another one here by the end of the year or so. Um, so, you know, we are way more focused on, you know, the, the core that makes this thing go, you know, our executive team is, is a lot slimmer than it used to be because we were just kind of, like I said, fat and happy. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, now it's just, it's, 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 it's meant for growth okay. at this point. I think that was a 30,000 foot, like here's where we are. Mm-hmm. So you said you had eight total brick and mortars today. Uh, so how many, how many, uh, late night slices are there now? So there's six, there's six. So yep. since we last t- spoke, you, d- you opened four. Wow. I think we had like four or five when we last talked. Okay. We had more than two. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know where I'm getting that number then. Yeah. Because maybe I mis- misheard when I listened to the episode. Uh, and then you got the, uh, you had the concert venues. Was that two? Yeah. So there's, well, there's actually three. So three we have now? an outdoor concert venue, two outdoor concert venues, um, and then an indoor concert venue uh, on OSU campus. Are you still doing the delivery commissary? No, we actually got rid of that as well. So we was moved. that before or after COVID nineteen? That was before COVID. Do you wish you sucked that with that? You know, that was a <laughs> man. I I, I I loved our commissary. You know, that was yeah. just our big like food production facility. Let's let's a, pause that because I feel like that's later. I want to yeah. go more a little more chronological because I think it, where we started talking was uh, sandwich shop. So this yeah. is kind of like where we left off. That was probably the big project that you took on after I, I was here the last time that you decided didn't work out, right? And and that was Joe's Corner Tavern. That was uh that was a. And that, the lesson I think that we learned off of that is don't buy somebody else's mistake. We, we learned a couple lessons off that. So I'll go into the first one here first. And that was don't buy somebody else's mistake. Um, like I said, I think that place was cursed from the get-go. Not that we did the best job, but it was just a really, really difficult community to prove something into. And sometimes communities just want a chain. Sometimes they just want um, an Applebee's or a Roosters, if you're familiar with this you area. Did you say it was a, a difficult community or a different community to prove something in? 
Uh, well, it, it's different than okay. what we're used to because we're, we're used to very central business district. You okay. Know? Um, and then it was a very hard community to prove something. You know, I mean, everything everything that we tried was just destroyed on Yelp and the reviews and everything. So, um, don't be afraid to push that mic up too if you don't want to scrouch down yet. Yeah, sure. Move it to you. Yeah, there we go. That's why I lug these things all over the Is country. Is that better? Oh yeah. Um, so. Well, you also said when you were kind of doing your cruise at 30,000 feet that we didn't do the best at it. Knowing mm-hmm. what you know now, um, you said, you know, don't take on someone else's mistake, but what didn't you do well? Um, we didn't give it the... Some businesses that I think, if you're going to go into a business that is... If you're going to go into a business that is failing or that has failed and you need to turn around that ship, it's a very, very slow process. Yeah. And if you don't have a very specific skill set or if you don't have anyone in your company with that very specific skill set that can fix a failing restaurant, um, then it's going to be a really hard journey for you. So what lessons did you learn as far as what it takes to fix a failing restaurant? Like if it, did you, would you have done it differently if you could do it again, aside from not doing it? Yeah. You know what it needs? What, what, what I think we needed to do if we could have done this differently, um, it needs 100% of our attention, 100% of the time. Mm. It, it, and what we were doing, we were trying to run a business, and then we had this other thing. You're like, we got this. Yeah, and, and yeah, we tried to use the tools. You start that to worked. believe your own success, right? Exactly. Yeah. Everything we touch turns to gold, right? Yeah. And this is, you know, what I call our PhD, because it cost <laughs> us just about as much as a PhD. Yeah. Yeah. It only cost about a year and a half, but um, yeah, that was what we call our PhD. That was that big mistake, that that big failure that you know we will always look at and be like, you know what, that was our bruise. You know, that was the thing that didn't work for us. And what lessons did we learn? And of course, the one lesson is, you know, don't buy somebody else's mistake. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're good at creating concepts, create another concept. And what we did is we bought somebody else's concept and then we tried to turn the ship around when the, the name was tainted. We didn't change the name fast enough. Um, you know, we didn't put the right management team in there. It was, it was the, the crew. And we didn't really, you know, we started with the crew that had already been there that, and they were just, they were used to a certain way of doing things that was just, the way and the reason why this place had failed. Um, so, you know, so many lessons on there. And I think the other huge lesson, one, don't buy somebody else's mistake. And the reason we got this restaurant and th- this is the second lesson, right? The second lesson is if it's not a fuck, yeah, it's a no. Mm. And the way we turned around that and the way we came to that, because when we got this restaurant, it wasn't because we thought, you know, this would be an amazing addition to our portfolio. We got it because we were tired of losing deals. And over the last, the previous two years before we got that, we had gone into something and we'd get to the 11th hour. We were about ready to sign. We were all excited. And then the, you know, bank financing didn't go through Mm -hmm. or or something like that. You know, they pulled the lease at the last minute. You know, we had gone through like three or four projects. So by the time this specific one came around, we were like, can we get it done? Yeah. Yes. All right, let's do it. Fuck it. Right. And that was the mistake because it, was, it wasn't like, yeah, we were excited about it. We we're like, all right, finally, we just got a deal done. So we weren't even It was ex- work. Yeah, we were just tired of getting <laughs> yeah. told no and somebody yeah. said yes and we're like, all right, cool. So, man, I tell you what, like the lessons that we will take away from, from that location are, are invaluable. Like I said, it was a PhD and, and like figuratively, um, I, I, get, I guess I can't say literally because I don't have a piece of paper, but... Um, you know, that was, that was, a, that was a huge lesson, man. So I, I, I ironically just finished interviewing uh, Ellis Winstanley out of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar. Actually, I'm wearing the hat right now. He gave me a little going away gift, oh, uh, yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. badass hot pink hat. Yeah. Uh, I love bright colors. Yeah. Um, 
El Arroyo. And like what they do, uh, what he specializes in is going into legacy brands that are just old and tired and saying, this has great brand. This has great name recognition. It's just tired. And it needs like a, it needs to be shooken and like revitalized. Enthusiasm. And the first thing that they do is they go in and they get rid of the cancer, yep. which is the people who don't carry the same culture that they're trying to inj- inject into it. Great. They say, get the fuck off the bus because yep. this is where we're going. Because if those people will fight you tooth and nail they yeah. will it, it, no matter what you're trying to do to get in there you'll come in and say this is what we're doing and and, and they'll be like we well, were here before you who the hell do you think we are like this is that's not gonna work yeah like yeah. that's not gonna work here yeah and they gotta go yep. if, if, but the other thing that i think is really kind of curious and this is weird like life is confusing man and I, i'm the first person that can like and like say that like you hear a lot of mixed messages sometimes and one of the mixed messages is one of the things i always say is be someone's exit strategy because you can get yeah. sweet deals sure. when you're someone's exit strategy. But at the same time, you hear things like don't buy someone else's mistake. So what's the difference between being someone's exit strategy and not being someone's mistake? You know, I guess it just depends on what kind of, you know, what kind of risk that you're looking, looking at right now. You know, yeah. what does your operation currently look like? So, you know, I think both have, you know, really valid, both are really valid, yeah. valid strategies. It just depends on where you're at and what your, you know, existing organization looks like. If you just sold your restaurant and you want to dive into something that you know has a lot of potential, it was just ran shitty in the yeah. past, then, you know, perhaps buying someone else's mistake isn't bad if you know the exact mistakes they made, right? Yep. So, you know, and then as far as being someone's exit strategy, then, yeah, you know, perhaps that's that's a good way depending on what you have going on. Here's the thing I think that's different between where it is a good idea to be someone's exit strategy and where it's a bad idea to be someone's exit strategy. And you pointed it out. And I was wondering if you were going to I, I kind of had an idea of the answer, but I wanted to see what you would say. And this is just my opinion. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but you have to be there 100% of the time. Yeah. And if you're getting into this industry and you and this is the first job you're doing, and you want to take over, if you want to be someone's exit strategy and they just want to wipe their hands of their mistake, and you can get in there and be there 100% of the time and this is your one thing, yeah. then I think there's an opportunity there because of that key element, you got to be there 100% of the time. Yeah. Do you yeah, think yeah. that might be the difference? Like, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that's why advice doesn't work for everybody because, and there's a little variables that are different. Yeah. Like certain advice is good for certain people. So sure. sorry, I think I cut you short. Not at all, not at all. And I think that's really valid. You know, it just depends on how much how many calories you want to put into something? You know, yeah. what is your capacity to take on yes. something that could arguably be a giant mm-hmm. project, no matter if it's, you know, a traditional project where you're building a kitchen and building a restaurant and building something from the ground up, or if you're just taking over something that is damaged goods, right? So yeah, there, there's, there's valid. It's just how much capacity do you have? How busy are you? Yeah. And I think on that note of like, if you can't be there 100% of the time, uh, just to add some context, I don't think it has to be you, but if, if you're, if you're like, uh, an Ellis when Stanley, whose job is to go in and turn around failing brands, he has teams that their job is to be there 100% of the time. And sure. they're the culture carriers. Yep. Right. So, but that's not, that's not what you guys did. Right. That wasn't your, so this goes back to the original point yeah. where you, like, you were just saying yes to stuff. And then in, I think you're evolving and growing as a company and you're realizing your strength. And that's wisdom, yeah. right? And that's yeah. knowing the difference between a good opportunity and a bad opportunity. Right? Yeah. That's, a, that's the difference between knowing. And when you're yeah. young and excitable and wide-eyed, you know, it's just like, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that. Hey, they, yeah. they just offered this to us. They just offered this. You know, look at this thing. It's beautiful and brand new. And they just walked away. We could just get in there for nothing. But you don't know what you don't know until you know. 
Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that comes with wisdom. Right? Yes. That comes with doing this for years exactly. and realizing like, okay, just because we can make money doesn't mean we should make money yeah. from this. Right? So reflecting back at some of, we, we talked about like the, the cultural stuff, the, a little bit of like, I feel like that's mainly what we've been talking about right now, or like this cultural fit. Um, but as far as like uh, nitty gritty technical things, permitting, anything along those lines that you think you could have done better or that you didn't do that you can help prevent somebody else from making that same mistake. Does anything come to mind? You know, I, um, as far as you know, the technical stuff, permitting and that stuff, you know, that, 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 that was done perfectly well. Okay. I I don't think that was, but you know what, what I do remember from that experience was how unfair it was to everyone involved. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, as the leaders of this organization, decided that we were going to take something on that was outside of the normal wheelhouse of people, right? So we took, you know, a manager that didn't want to be, you know, he was used to a downtown business district cocktail bar. And we said, you're going to go help us turn this thing around in a suburb, you know, a sports bar in the suburbs. He was miserable, right? And the entire crew, you know, our entire executive team, they got drugged, dragged down, by this decision that we made. Yeah. Right? So it doesn't just affect you. It's not just a bottom line decision. It's not just a top line revenue decision. It's not just a decision. You know, like you got to look when your ecosystem as a whole, every decision you make is affect. It affects the entire ecosystem. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't, you know, I kept thinking to this. I mean, we lost a lot of good people. We burned out good people because they were helping as much as they could. They didn't have the skill set to, to, to fix this, you know, failing thing. And, how unfair was that of us to put them through that? And we didn't realize it at the time. You know, we had to lose a lot of really good people to realize that lesson, mm. you know? So, you know, that was one thing that I, I, that really came to mind as we were talking is how unfair it was to the ecosystem of what we did, because they were really good at doing what we did. And we took them out of their comfort zone in a bad way. And, um, you know, it, like I said, we lost a, real, a lot of really good people and, yeah. you know, they're hopefully and luckily still friends to this day, but you know, they don't work for us. Well, I think what you're just doing right now is enforcing if it's not fuck. Yeah, it's no. Yeah. You know what, man? And I tell you what, like that has, that has been a, that has been a motto for life yeah. lately. You know I mean? I just got done buying a house and that was me and my wife were like, well, was it same house where I came to visit. Uh, we just, well, we're still living there, but we, uh, sold it. It is, it is technically not ours. Okay. So after this, we can go wreck the place. Okay. Cause it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not ours. Um, but yeah, and that, 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 that mantra, you know, applies there too. You know, like if you can't look at, you know, the person, your partner, you know, your wife, whatever, and think, is this decision? Ah, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like no questions, you know, is this a, you know, is this a slam dunk? Then you should probably, then, then there's probably issues that you need to inspect about it or you should walk away. Yeah. Um, and while you're saying these words, I can't help but think of a past episode, John and Caraba. Uh, from Carabba's Italian Grill, which I'm sure many of you have heard of. Uh, Iconic brand out of Houston, Texas. Uh, He he talked about the importance of enthusiasm. And when you walk into the room, you have to be the highest energy, the highest enthusiastic person. And when you're not enthusiastic about the project, it's hard for you to be that person. And which is why it has to be a fuck yeah. Because if you're going to, if you're going to, because we, we, we radiate energy, we vibrate and that vibration gets passed on to others. If we're showing up and that's a negative vibration, it's still a vibration and it's going to get passed on to others and you won't be able to turn things around. It's contagious. It absolutely is in both directions. Yep. Yeah. So you got to, 
whatever energy you come into a room, it has to be the highest because you're gonna people will meet you in the middle. Yeah. They'll probably bring you down a little bit. And that's natural, mm-hmm. but you're gonna bring them up. Yeah. Right. So you have to be a fuck yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? And you know what you reminded me of too when you talked about enthusiasm. Um, I have a little saying too that goes, "There's no enthusiasm like new enthusiasm." <laughs> and man, if you think about that, you know, you bring on that like new manager who's just like. Woo! Let's do this, you know. And they're like a cheerleader, and you're like, "Fuck yeah, man!" Yeah. Like, look at that dude go. Like, that's new enthusiasm, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, sometimes you need that new enthusiasm, you know, whether it's a new location that's, you know, it's total slam dunk, or you know, you're at your opening, or you're just hiring somebody new. Um, I think that's know. what happens when you create growth and opportunity for others, right? You create that opportunity for new enthusiasm, totally. But right. it has to be the right growth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, okay. So we, I think we unpacked that really well. Uh, the other thing we talked about is you got rid of the food, the two food trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the thought? process behind that so you know food trucks are i I look at food trucks in in two different directions you know one in the aspect of like you own your food truck or your company owns your food truck and it's a profit center Mm -hmm. right and on the other side you have a food truck and it's a marketing vehicle literally a marketing vehicle Mm -hmm. right so on and there's two whole different ways to look at a food truck and i'll kind of dig into both here first you know you have you know a food truck that's part of your restaurant and to have a functioning food truck, you have to have, and this is somebody who's had food trucks for 12 years now, um, you have to have somebody running that food truck. You almost have to have a food truck manager if you want this thing to be a profit center, if you want it to be just like a location, right? That thing has to prove its worth. It has to be out on the road five to seven days a week. It has to be staffed just like a regular restaurant. It has to be managed just like a regular restaurant. And not to mention, your staff has to have a different skill set because not only does it have to know everything that they have to know to run a restaurant, they know they have, they have to know all the things uh, to manage a 20 year old step van. <laughs> so a mechanic, uh, they have to be a kind of a mechanic, yeah. right? And they have to be a, an incredible troubleshooter because or these things have so many moving, at least some type of engineer, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, if you have a food truck and you're just going to say, all right, I'm going to get this food truck and we're going to blend it into the restaurant. And then, you know, the manager at this restaurant is also going to manage the food truck and that staff is going to manage that. All right. And you expect that thing to be a profit center and not just a marketing vehicle. All right. You're setting yourself up for failure there because this thing to be its own standalone, you know, revenue producing thing that's going to bring you in a few hundred thousand dollars a year. That thing has to be manned specifically for a food truck. Right. On the other side, and you'll see bigger brands that have food trucks treat it like this, and that's the marketing vehicle, right? Where that thing could be parked three months out of the year, but it's during right big spot. events, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, they could be parked behind their location. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's not necessary to be out every day, got right? It, got it. So, you know, when your food truck is a marketing vehicle, so like I said, big brands, like we have White Castle that is uh, Columbus based as well. They have a food truck, and you never really see the you know, White Castle food truck out because it doesn't need it. Do they just, start in Columbus? Uh, they didn't start in Columbus, but they've been headquartered here for, you know, pretty much their entire existence. Cause I, I, I just noticed that like the, the White Castles in Columbus are much nicer than anywhere else. <laughs> well, they should be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they should be. Their corporate headquarters is yeah. about three. Do- three yeah. That's the one I saw. I was like, wow, that's a really nice White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Um, so anyway, you have like your food truck is a marketing vehicle and that's just, you know, they go out for big events. They go out for, you know, like special, you know, events and parties and whatever. Uh, but it doesn't need to produce revenue because it's just a marketing vehicle. And yeah. then at that point, yeah, then you can borrow a manager from, you know, a restaurant that, you know, has is a little bit savvy with, you know, driving a big vehicle or, you know, whatever. 
So, you know, there's, I think there's two real big ways to look at a food truck. It, it either has to be, and, and it's kind of binary. I really think it is like, it's either a marketing vehicle and you don't expect that to be a profit center or it's a profit center and it needs its own team yeah. to be, to be successful as a normal restaurant. So on the marketing side, it's more of like the, an experience creator, you know, you're there to totally. generate an experience and the kind of a wow factor. Yep. And, and that's what it's there for to kind of bust in like the Kool-Aid man and like make a big scene. Right. Exactly. If yeah. it, if it makes, you know, 1200 bucks at an event. Cool. If not, if you're just giving away things, that's cool too. It's yeah. served that purpose is to get people excited that haven't or that have yet to reach your brand. So based off you're the bringing de- your brand to the people. So based off the decisions you've made, I'm going to go ahead and make the assumption that you're looking at these food trucks now less as a money generator operational element of your brand and you're more of a, a marketing tool now. Correct. Now okay. our, yeah, exactly. So our food truck, the one we have is still out seven days a week. Like we still have a manager of it. We still have a team that, you know, is basically the food truck team. It's like our motorcycle gang. Yeah. Like it really is like the guys that run, <laughs> the guys that run our food truck are badass. <laughs> they are, they are like a leather clad motorcycle. Is gang. it out there right now today by any chance? You know uh, it's, so, I mean, it's somewhere. I yeah, want to I don't know I hunt it today. down and maybe grab some photos before I get out of here. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, I'll, I'll find it for you, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's out today for sure. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a badass crew, man. <laughs> so, um, so when it comes to using a food truck like a marketing vehicle, what are the best practices? It, you know, I don't, as far as just like, you know, you, well, here's the thing. I don't know if you need to have that many best practices because, you know, the thing is just, you know, an, it, kind of an ancillary part of your brand, right? It's yeah. on the periphery. It's just an extension of the brand that happens to be on wheels that you can take you know, to, to places that you want to expand your brand experience with. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, as far as best practices go, I, I don't know if there are any, you know, I, I like to take it out to everywhere. You know, that yeah. was, that was part of our brand building in the very beginning was making sure that, you know, we had, and we didn't try to get in the food truck revolution. We just wanted something on wheels. This yeah. is 12 years ago when we decided to get a food truck. So, um, you know, this was way before like the food truck craze. I mean, I think they were just on the edges of the country at that time and, or the taco trucks that, you know, kind of, you know, still hung out there, but there wasn't a food truck craze. We got in just because we wanted to take our brand to festivals Yeah, and it ended up being, we ended up being one of the first ones, at least in our area to have like a, like a, a boutique food truck. Um, got it. So it's, it's been a really fun evolution to go from a team of food trucks down to just one now and it's still out. So it's, it's kind of like a hybrid of what you talked about. It's a, it's a money making machine and it's also an, like a, a marketing machine. But when you don't have any events or if, when you're not trying to make a scene, when you're not trying to use it as a marketing tool, it's out there generating revenue. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a revenue generator for us right now. I would say it's like 70, 30. So 70% is a, that is a revenue generating thing. We just don't expect a lot out of it at this yeah. point. Um, and 30% and the, is just, you know, if there's an event today. It's, it's at that event. Totally. Got it. Yep. Uh, so I think now's a good time to take a break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be back to kind of unpackage some more of the evolution of Mikey Saboro and late night slice and odd fellows. And I don't even know the names of your concert venues. <laughs> <laughs> They're not ours. We just have oh, to serve. Oh, that's right. Them, that's, so. right. Con- <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. We'll be right back. What is one of the most overlooked and important marketing tools out there? It's your menu. And honestly, I cannot blame owners for overlooking their menu. It can be super tedious and boring work, let's be honest. Not to mention, it's time-consuming between all the other channels of marketing, i.e. social media, direct mail marketing, and managing your operations and customer relations. Who has the time to dink around with their menu? Not many people, right? So that's why I'm super excited to introduce to you 
pop menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. From the website to the marketing to the contactless ordering, Pop Menu is the full digital solution for your restaurant. Pop Menu also provides a dynamic mobile-friendly menu that hooks your customers from the start. And this is a really cool tool. Diners have the ability to leave dish reviews, which really helps your menu speak for itself. Beyond these engaging features, Pop Menu provides marketing tools to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. For example, you have the power to send automated texts and emails to incentivize new orders or promote new dishes. You can even set up online ordering and delivery direct through Pop Menu. This means less ordering complications and loss commission to third-party apps. We all love that. Frankly speaking, when Pop Menu reached out to me to be a sponsor, I didn't know much about them. We all know my rules that I only promote the tools and services that are recommended on the show. So I had to reach out to my network to get their approval. And I have to tell you, the feedback has been nothing but positive. People really like the menu review feature, the email marketing integration, and the fast and friendly customer support, which cannot be overlooked. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you can lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Anything you want to talk about? I mean, I don't, hmm. I don't like to get too caught up. Dude, have you been going to the gym? You look like a little more like ripped since the probably last since time like the last time like the last time we talked. I'm I think, not checking you out or anything. No, 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 no. I print. Thank you. Uh, the last time we talked, my buddy, you know, I was sitting at the bar drinking, and you know, I was just like literally like sick. And uh, my partner, he was, uh, he's like, hey, do you want to? You know, I was making fun of him for like doing CrossFit or something like that, and he's like, you should come to the gym with me. And I was having one of those like especially like I'm feeling you know fat and sick, and I was like, all right. Yeah, dude, I'll do it. We're this wasn't meant to be in the recording, but I think that this is how we're going to start off. So we're just going to keep on going with this because yeah. <laughs> I'm resonating with that right now. Yeah, like, and I, I've actually lost like ten pounds. I can past. tell, dude. Yeah, you look yeah, way, you look way weight, slimmer. But, but like yeah. in the past like month, I've like lost ten pounds. Yeah, just it's because of Atomic Habits. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it's because of that book. And we, I wasn't going to get into this yet, but like. I feel like we're, it's funny because what the thing that we're not going to have in the recording is I said, well, what do you want to talk about? And you said work-life balance. And I think this is probably a perfect segue. Yeah. So get into that. Totally. Yeah. Are we, are we, we're recording we're right recording. now. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Let's, why not? I mean, I, you know, if we talk work-life balance, I mean, that's, <clears throat> yeah, I guess. Is that part of it? Yeah. For who? For you, like the, the wellness, like working out, exercise, eating, <clears throat> is that part of the work-life balance? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, work-life balance, I think is, is kind of a myth. When you're starting out, I, you know, the, I, it's, it's, yeah. it's bullshit. You know, there is no work life balance when you're grinding in the I, beginning. I call you it know? your, your work's life or your life's work. <laughs> your life's work. Your, li- your life's work. Sorry. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, unless you've gotten to the point where you have a team of people that are doing all the things that you used to do and you're only doing the things that you're uh, good at and love, then you've maybe achieved work life balance, you know, but work life balance for people that are just starting out is, is, is a, is, is kind of bullshit and they should treat it as such Yeah, because there, there shouldn't be a balance the goal. when you're, it's a goal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Work life balance is a goal. It is certainly not the thing that you start off with by any means. Um, you know, unless, unless that's what you want, unless you just want to, you know, well, I think it kind of relates to what we started earlier saying, like you got to say yes to a bunch of stuff early on and hustle. Yeah. Plus when you're 22 years old, tw- like 19 to 25, 26 years old, 
even like into your, like your early thirties, like you have the endurance to do that. Your body yeah. can handle it. But once you, and I'm just starting to experience this yeah. even now, like once you get to your mid thirties, yeah. things start to change. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm 40 right yeah. now. Yeah. And, uh, things are harder than they used to be. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, I know it's only gonna get harder for me, but I yeah. definitely know it used to be easier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, things are sore than they used to be, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? but it's just that idea that, yeah, like you, you, while you have that energy, while you have that endurance, while you have your youth, yeah. get out there, get the experience, get the wisdom totally. and then bec- become the specialist. And then you get good at one thing. Cause you've figured you've, you've gotten the universe has told you, Hey, this is what you're good at. Cause people will point it out or like right. whatever, or you just, you just can tell that yeah. you found your thing. And then that's when you can lean into it. I think become a specialist I think that's when the shift starts to happen Yeah, where you can start to achieve work life. Then you lean into that. Exactly. I don't want to be the one talking. I'm here to interview you. So what, what what's going on through your mind? As I, I think saying? you're onto something. Let's lean into this here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, you're exactly right, man. And what you have in your youth is you don't have a lot of responsibility. You don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders. You know, you might not have a family. You might not have a wife. You might not have kids, right? So you can and should really lean into that while you don't have that you know, that, 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 that commitment of, you know, a family when you're young. So like, yeah, in your early twenties or mid twenties, early thirties, whenever, you know, you're, you're grinding, like take advantage of that. You know, like you should be traveling. You should be seeing as much as there is to see in this world. Like you should be working as hard as you can, because once you start splitting your responsibilities and your, the calories that you have in a day and the hours that you have in a day, like it gets exceptionally harder. Like yeah. it just does because you know, you have kids and a wife and a responsibility and a mortgage, you know, you don't have the, the, the low risk tolerance that you used to in your youth, you know? So, um, youth, you know I'm saying? that like, you know, <laughs> why hello, do you think there's a, uh, hello youths? what do you think there's a higher or, or lower risk to- tolerance later in life when you have more and you can take a bigger hit energy? I think, yeah. yeah. Anything else? Um, responsibility. You know, why, why energy? Because you have less of it as you get older. Yeah. I mean, you just do. I mean, there are certain of those among us who just have, you know, that, that, yeah, that vibrate high and that can just, that are just those dudes who can just do it no matter what. They're always grinding no matter what, you know, and that's fine, but that's not the majority of people, you know, I mean, that's not the majority of us. Right. I I was literally having this conversation with the three, the VO three, one, three brothers down in Austin yesterday and, uh, Andrew Smith. And we're talking and I I said, when I was piss ass broke, I would buy around. I might have had a hundred dollars in my checking account, yeah. and I would spend fifty of it yeah. to buy around for everybody. Sure, I'm less likely to do that today. Yeah, right. I'm, like you know what I mean? It's yeah. weird how like as you you gain, like I don't know, like wealth. I'm not. I don't think I'm wealthy, but as you gain security, I'll say, sure, sure, sure. you tend to be less generous with it. Why do you think that is? Age and stage. Yeah, age and stage, man. Because depending on what age you are and what stage you're at in life, you have different priorities, right? So you know, priorities may be family, priorities might be kids, priorities yeah. might be your, your wife or your significant other. It might be other projects, yeah. right? So you know, there is there's absolutely something to be said for age and stage, you know, in, in almost all aspects of it. I think it, you know that that saying you have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it too. When you're yeah. young and you, YOLO bro, you have nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no what's a hundred bucks. I'll yeah. go work tomorrow night and make exactly, that back. Exactly. When you've built something, you spent like eight years, 20 years of your life building something. You yeah. have a lot to lose. Yeah, totally. And also you're responsible for a lot of other people and yeah. they have a lot to lose. Sure. That pressure's on you. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it too. It's like skydiving, man. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, when I first skydived, I've only been skydiving like, like one time, <laughs> but when I did it, I didn't, you know, I had, you know, me and my wife did it. But now it's like, you know, that was years ago. Now it's like, all right, we got a kid. I got another one on the way, you know, in December here. 
you know, we, the business is bigger and thriving now. It's like, you know, the idea of skydiving now scares the shit out of me, not because of the physical act of skydiving, because I have a lot more to lose mm-hmm. now, yeah. you know, and I have, I haven't, I have insurance to, <laughs> to help with that, but still that, you know, back, back then it was just like, eh, you know, I rent an apartment and I'm, you know, don't have a lot going on. It, let's go skydiving now. It's like, ugh. I could, Mikey, I could. you had a call. You had to call the landscaper today. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they don't. They don't stop. We live. We live literally on high street. So I call it living on the bus line. It is the loudest place on earth. It is New York City during like a. During I'm just teasing, man. No. Uh, people know I travel on site. We're at the mercy of our location. I, know. But, uh, I think it's just kind of funny. So back to this idea of work life balance. Um, I think when we first and I go back to episode 426 again because we covered a lot of what you got to do to to achieve work life balance, i.e., vision. Yeah. systems, culture, you know, core values, getting all that stuff. You need all that stuff. Yeah. But once you have that stuff, how do you make that pivot or how do you start moving away from the business to achieve work-life balance? Uh, you know, the old saying, you got to let go to grow. Yeah. Right. How so do you let go? You, you've, you teach somebody competently and you document and you create a system and a process that can be handed off to someone. So you take those things that you've done, you've mastered, and you create the system. And that's a lot of hard work, right? You have to create, you have to document, you have to, you, you literally have to make a, an entire process to then be able to hand off, you know, to somebody, and then you can step away. So you, the, the, the process of creating process continues. There's the process the to do the thing. Yeah. Then there's a process to make sure somebody else is doing the thing. Yeah. It's creating, it's like figuring out the process. You know, step one is yeah. like figuring out the process, Yep. you know, and then documenting the process step and the two. system step two. What's step three teaching, you okay. know? So you, as you go up the ladder, you, you, you start, you know, at one spot where you, you're learning and then you can teach. What's step four? Um, maintain maintenance. What's step five? Uh, shit. <laughs> so talking, talking to you about is that it. where you are? <laughs> yeah. So is, is that where we are now? Is you're at this point where it's, you've created all the process for the thing to run without you there. And what's the, I guess the question is what does the process of maintaining look like? It's, it's, it's holding people to the standards you've created. Like literally paint out your process. How do you make sure that the job is being done every day? What things are you doing where you don't have to be there every day, but you know that you, you know, you're, you're tracking, you have the systems. What are those systems? Sure. Uh, layers. You know, you have layers as, as the business grows, you know, you add layers between you and the things that you need done. Right. So identify those layers. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when you're starting out and you add, you know, I'll give you a good example. Like we had, you know, we just got to the point in our, in our 12 year organization where right before COVID happened, January of 2020, we hired, um, our first like six figure position and it was our first VP of operations. His name's Ted. Awesome dude. Um, we interviewed for six months to get this position, and by the, Ted, Ted was on the job two and a half, one and a half, two and a half months before COVID hit. So Jesus. he got a he got a crash course. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he was he was actually the one that brought in "Don't Give Up the Ship." You know, <laughs> nice. so was, that was his contribution. He came in the office one day and tacked this flag to the wall, and it was like that's gonna be our mantra. And we were all like, "Fuck it!" <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was it was the middle of COVID. Or it, was, it was the beginning, so yeah. you know, nobody knew what was going on. Um. <laughs> So, you know, that was a good example of like, at some point, you know, we were able to afford, you know, a a large price tagged person that creates more space, more, um, 
uh, more shit. What's the word I'm looking for? Responsibility, more you know, uh, between you and the layers of the managers, right? So, you know, when you're doing it all yourself, you are doing every part of it. You are the manager. You're the order person. You're you know making the product that you're making, and then you step back and you you know you hire somebody. And then eventually you hire a manager and then you have a manager and a GM and whatever. And you get to that point where you just keep adding these layers okay. you know, that take you a little bit farther away. So when you say layers, you're talking about physical people that you're putting in between you. <clears throat> every, you're just, you're just re, you're recreating yourself in pe- with people every day. Like, so first, and that's what it is. Like you, when you start, when you started late night slice, you were the guy making the pizzas. Sure. Right. And then you replaced yourself. You, you got yourself a layer or like you start yeah. replacing yourself in all the, the elements of the business. Then you have your general manager, you replace yourself. Then you have the, I don't know yeah, what middle the manager is. Yeah. And like yep. you just keep on replacing yourself, replacing yourself, <coughs> replacing yourself until the point where now you replace yourself as like a, there's like somebody who's overseeing the businesses that yeah. is between you and the, the business. Right. Um, what are you doing to track that? Well, for one, it's not always about headcount too. So, you know, just, you know, growth and separation doesn't just mean putting a person in between, right? So that's when system and processes come in as well. So the more you systematize something, the more you get familiar with it, you know, that is a layer as well where you can then teach. So, you know, it isn't just about adding headcount. And we made that mistake, you know, a number of times where we were just like, we're just going to throw money at something and hope that fixes it. And by money, we just maybe, okay, we'll get a... You know, we'll, we'll, we'll bring in a, a person that will, you know, make sure the restaurants are clean, like our own in, in, in-house health department person. That wasn't necessary for a company of our size at that time, right? Yeah. So, you know, that was, <clears throat> sorry, that was an example of, you know, that, that, was, that was us throwing money. That was us throwing headcount when headcount wasn't necessary. It was just an easy solution at the time, right? So I don't think that was a very good, uh, you know, way that we separated uh, ourselves, but it was the best idea that we had at the time. So what was the reason for you creating that, that headcount, that separation? Were you trying to free yourself up to work on new projects like a sandwich shop? Yeah. You know, I mean, we had never, we had never come from, you know, uh, restaurants before we had never built a chain. Of course, you know, we had never come from big business or anything. So, you know, that was our best, that was our best idea. We we're like, ah, we need somebody yeah. to make sure the restaurants are, you know, clean and you know that we didn't realize that that could have been really you know looped in with the manager so you have, you made it more efficient you you, you cut the cut you, you cut the fat and you got lean and you were more efficient so what did that process of efficiency look like how did you know where to cut it and what things did you change to you you basically it sounds like you replace people with systems and that sounds kind of cold at first but it's also necessary but like take us through that oh, there's, i think that there's two there's two ways to look at it yeah right? so you can add um you can stumble and trip and fall and pull your way through it yourself. And that'll take you time and you might save money, but it's going to cost you time, right? Yep. Cause if you have to figure out, you know, what growth looks like for your organization without bringing in, you know, a high priced person or uh, if you don't have mentors or whatever, right? So we did it the hard way. We did it the long and hard way where we didn't, and probably the stupid way, to be honest. Um, we didn't have, you know, very good, we didn't have mentors, you know, or like a lot of people that were advising us of the way to do stuff, nor were we comfortable with spending a shitload of money on, you know, a high priced, you know, person. We, we just weren't at that stage yet. So it took us a while to figure this out. And there was a lot of steps. St- st- tripping and stumbling and it costs us a ton of money uh, just in time. Right. You know, so the other way to look at it is if you know, you're going to need somebody spending that money before and hiring somebody that has done that job before is invaluable. And whatever price tag that you're shy, that you're timid of, 
you know, say it's a you know hundred thousand dollar a year position, right? That person, if you hire the right person, will pay for their job three times over in efficiency, in time saved, in in so many aspects of the business. And that's a, a lesson that we learned, uh, quite frankly, the hard way, is that we didn't, you know, we were timid of that, like, ah, oh, we can't afford that person. Like, it's not like we couldn't afford it. In retrospect, how could we have not afforded that person? You yeah. know, and that and that's the one of those lessons. Like I said, you look back on it's like. You know, how could we have not afforded that person? Yeah, the way I like to look at it is not it's not what you're losing the one hundred thousand a year, it's what you're gaining with one hundred thousand a year. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the goal is to make sure that, that is an offset, like that they are more that they're worth their their paycheck, sure. right? Exactly. Um I love that. So I mean there's so many things we could talk about right now. Uh, I'm I'm really actually I think now's a good time to bring up because last time we were talking, you mentioned QSR and the, mm-hmm. the, the big thing that got you excited about QSR was all the data it gave you all yep. the, the, the numbers, which I think it's important to mention that what, what we're talking about right now, if you're trying to remove yourself from the business, you need to be able, you need trust, sure. but you also need to be able to track it. Verify. So yep. is that the tool you're using to track? No. So what we did, you know, this was probably four years ago or so, you know, QSR was an integral part of what we did. You yeah. know, I mean, it, how many leaves are out there? I know. There's no, there's, <laughs> it's not even fall. And they're, it's called a friggin' broom, man. Yeah. Like, geez, sorry, it keep it's going. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big patty. <laughs> <laughs> really big patty. I got a lot of cigarette butts. Well, you know, he's there. doing a good job. He's, he's doing an admirable job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Bravo, buddy. Um, what were we talking about? QSR. QSR. <laughs> uh, so, Q, so QSR, like I said, at that time, we, that was an invaluable resource for us, right? So we were just bringing on a lot of technology platforms. Since then, we've really pared these things down to like, I think Microsoft Teams. <laughs> you know, I think we're, we're as a company like on Teams right now. And we've taken a lot of that stuff that, you know, QSR, um, QSR taught us. And we still have those lessons. We still have that stuff. We're just not using that platform anymore. Okay. Because we, you know, we got to a point where we learned a lot from that, but it was no longer all that necessary. Yeah. For us. So what are you? So you said you're using Microsoft Teams mm-hmm. right now. What else are you using? What are you using Microsoft Teams for? Like communication? Like what's the tool? Yeah. So that's communication. That is, you know, shop audits. That is, that is, chats. That is. You know, for the most part, that and we're still on Facebook, which is a little bit antiquated. But people, the majority of our team still have Facebook. So, you know, I would say a lot of our restaurants are still on you know Facebook groups, and that's how you know they communicate inter inter location. I think that the tool you're looking at in 2018 that you mentioned was PlayerLink. Is this is PlayerLink? What was that doing? We used PlayerLink briefly. That was, that was um, for training. You wanted it for? Yeah, I believe that was for training. So you can, are you is is uh, Microsoft's team? Is that the also solution for PlayerLink? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it encapsulated a ton of stuff. Okay. And uh, you know what? Over the years, we. Again, we were like, all right, let's add this. Let's add this. Let's add this. Let's add this. And then when you look at stuff, we're like, all right, we're paying 150 bucks a month for this times eight, you know, for the locations, you know, we're paying this, this and this. And that at some point we just had to be like, we were spending a ton of money to save ourselves from just doing a little bit of hard work. Yeah. You know, and these systems, like if, if you, if you need help creating systems and processes, these platforms are invaluable. So, you know, those, I don't even know if player links still around anymore. Um, but you know, QSR, uh, player link. I think I have one other on there that we used to use. Um, they're, they're incredibly in- invaluable to help you create systems. Yeah. And if you stick with them and they're worthwhile for you, then 
then hell yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, we just got to a point where we're like, all right, we've learned enough off of these. It's time for us to move on. So what's your major suite of tools look like today after shedding a bunch of stuff? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's way more like nimble and small than it used to be. What you is know? it? I, it's pretty much Microsoft Teams. I mean, we operate almost wholly off of Teams, Facebook, and then um, well, stuff that we've created in-house. So like we have Google lists um, or what are they called? Like Google, Google questionnaires or lists or yeah. something like that. You know, that we have, you know, we've traded all this, you know, per month technology for free technology. Yeah. Um, I would be interested in seeing how you, like what that looks like, like, I would, like a, like a demo of Microsoft teams and how you're implementing it in your business. But I also recognize there might be some sensitive stuff in there. Uh, <laughs> so if yeah. that's not cool, like I get that. Cause you want to respect the people that are, I don't know what it looks like, yeah. but if you're willing, I mean, we could hook up, of my computer and we do like a screen share. I think that'd be really interesting. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah, yeah but teams took over um, like video chat for us. So that was like zoom. It absorbed zoom. And then it, the chats are, you know, like really powerful just to keep everybody on the same page. Um, we have our, we have our meetings are, are, you know, during COVID that was, you know, we didn't have in-person meetings. So we did, you know, team meetings that, um, you know, we're on that platform and, you know, we have, we have files that are traded on that. We have approvals that are needed. We have our entire uh, creative team. Their uh, planner is in that whole thing. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit at the executive level, like on the, at the shop level, you know, they, they do all their closing yeah. and opening lists on that. And I think now's a good time to bring up the idea. Actually, now's a good time to take our next break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Plate IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now, I've told you what's new with Plate IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Plate IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Plate IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check, ACH, or Play IQ card. Also with Play IQ Bill Pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ Insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially with this labor shortage. You need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, tasks, tips, and more, all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you're already using, like Toast, to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. We're back. And I think now's a really good time, as I was saying before, to pick up the conversation. I was interested to talk about uh, atomic habits. And I think that all of what you're talking about, and the reason why we're, we're doing atomic habits in the book club right now, I don't, I think we'll be in our second month of the book club when this goes live. And this is their, their quarter long book club. So we're doing one book per quarter. Yeah. And the idea is to like really dissect and to like implement the lessons from the book instead of just reading a book and being like, oh, I'm better now. Sure. No, you're not. You're not better until you do the thing that's in the book, right? It's one thing to have knowledge, it's another thing to execute it. It's, it's hard to measure self help. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've been guilty of that. I'll admit, because for me, it's just been about learning, 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 learning. Just like cons- like drinking from a fucking water hose sure. or yeah. fire hose, you know, just like, whoa. Like what's- yeah. Now it's like, I need to go back and start like really implementing doing some this of this stuff, stuff. So I'm not a giant hypocrite, exactly. you know? Yeah. Um, and the first book we're, we're covering is Atomic Habits by James Clear, which you just informed me is a Columbus, Ohio native, or he lives here. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Jared's probably kicking me in the ass right now for not yeah. doing my research. I, <laughs> I, like, I, I, I said off, you know, when we were just chatting, I'm like, oh, yeah, James is a buddy of mine. Like he's not, I wouldn't say a buddy of mine. He would, I think he probably know who I am. We had like, you know, we had <laughs> he's, like he's drinks or something yeah. like that. Like yeah, uh, a couple of years back, uh, right when atomic habits first came out. But, uh, yeah, yeah, super, super good dude. Man. So the reason why I want to bring that up is because I think that what we're discussing right now, as far as creating layers and creating systems and doing all this starts with yourself, it starts with creating a routine and habit in your life. Yep. And if you look at what systems and processes are, they're just routine and habit, right? They're, they're, it's time blocking. This gets done now. Yeah. And it's in, there's triggers, but that's the idea of like habit stacking. So when you think about it, when you come into a restaurant, you're like, what are the things that need to happen right now to open? Yeah. There's a checklist. That right. checklist creates habit and routine. Exactly. And then in, what's the next checklist? Right. What's the next? List? And then the end of each checklist is the trigger to start the next checklist. Sure. Exactly. And that's ex- essentially what the book is teaching you yeah. is that you, what are the things that if you start doing every day, you will make huge, massive impacts in your life. Like it will be, like you need to automate those things and you start stacking the right. next important thing, the next important thing, the next layer, 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 right. layer. Yeah. It's the foundation. And if you can start that in your life and get discipline and routine and yeah. habit in your life, it spills into your business. Yeah. And that's why we're starting that book right now. And I, I'm, and it clicked. I was kind of stoned. 
when it happened. Whenever, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna lie, like, it, it Full disclosure. all made sense. It all made sense. I was like, holy shit. Um, and I'm really excited about this. But if you want to be a part of this book club, uh, I think we still have one month left. If you want to be a part of the conversation, cool, cool, cool. you I'm, and I'm talking to everybody else out there too. Sure, uh, come join the network because it's a, we're having a blast. So what are your thoughts on what I just shared? You know, I, I mean, I think habits are the, you know, the best and hardest thing that you can develop, <laughs> you yeah. know, for someone like me. And I think most, <clears throat> you know, like restaurateurs or entrepreneurs, like habits are the, are the hardest thing because <clears throat> it creates it just being focused enough to create a habit and not getting off track is for me personally, like the most thing I struggle with. Like so, I struggle with it the most. And in this in the track. book, the, 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 the keeping tracking is the key. Tracking is the key, and the the habit tracker is essentially a calendar. Every day that you complete your habit, yep. you X your calendar, and the goal is to have a bunch of X's on your calendar. Right, and the, you got to out of sight, out of mind. Right, so this thing has to live where you see it every day. Exactly, and the and then every day you X that calendar, you get that like little like little dose dopamine of, hit. Do, yeah, I did it. Yeah. Uh, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, the first two weeks that I started tracking, I did great. Then I went on my, this current road trip that I'm on right now. And it was a zoo at the Texas restaurant association. Now I'm here. I, my exes aren't going to look good this week, but right. the idea is you don't, you're not going to be a master out of the gate, but yeah. if you start tracking it, like you, you see those gaps on the calendar and you start kicking yourself in the ass and yeah. you want to do better. I think right. that's the trick is tracking. It's, 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 I think that's the hardest part for me personally is getting off track Yeah. because I'll do great for <clears throat> a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden I, you know, people come into town, you know, and then, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're off track, you know, because you have friends be in town or you're on vacation and you're yeah. just, you know, eating and drinking like an asshole and then you're off track. Right. Yeah. And so there's so many things that can derail you. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 this is what I struggle with absolutely the most is, well, <clears throat> one, that. Yeah, one of the the biggest lessons in the book is that it's not about how well you execute the habits. It's about consistency in attempting to execute yep. and getting 1% better every day. So sure. you're not going to be great out of the gate. And don't get discouraged if you're not. Yeah. Because as long as you're moving in the right direction, yeah. that's all that matters. And it's not it's 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 not about perfection. Yeah. It's about progress. Yes, you exactly. Know? Uh so anything okay, anything we haven't discussed up to this point about your like relative to your business before COVID? Hmm. No, I think this is, yeah, I think that's, yeah, we're, we're solid. So I guess what I want to talk about now, I think, well, we kind of already talked about your suite of tools, but do you, did your business, I don't want to talk about COVID. I don't want to get into like sure. how you guys reacted. I just want to yeah, say like, yeah. what are you, what, what exists in your business today as a result of COVID? Yeah. That wouldn't be here. Like, are you better in any way because of it? Did you evolve in any way because of it? And what, and what does that look like? Yep. So, I mean, really, really good uh, segue, I think, here because, you know, we are, you know, we're not even done with COVID. You know, we still have these lingering hungover, hangover effects, you know, that we're all dealing with, right? But the company that we are today is so much more prepared and in such a better position in the f- for the future than we were pre-COVID 100%. Why? We, pre-COVID. We were, we were fat. We were comfortable. We weren't forced to make hard decisions. So fat, we dumb, didn't. and happy. Fat, dumb, and happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, our executive team was bloated. You know, we were spending too much money. We weren't focused on the things that were really critical of the business. We were just, you know, something. It's a weird thing when you're forced 
to make hard decisions, you know, and, and those of us who have been in this industry for a while, every one of us has that story that when you got into a room and you slammed the door and you said to everybody at the table, we got to figure this shit out, right? Like everyone's had that, that one story where we're like that, that oh shit moment where you didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow because of whatever. Right? Yeah. The decisions that come because of necessity when you don't have options are the ones that define the business, I think, way more than the decisions made when you're fat, comfortable, and happy, mm-hmm. right? So what COVID forced not only our company to do, but I think a lot of companies, was that was a giant force to make hard decisions. So you know we had to look at our entire business with a microscope, and we had to de- decide what was necessary, what was not necessary. And these, you know, I, I, I might sound you know flippant about these decisions now, but these were the hardest decisions we've ever made. Right. Like we had to let go some incredibly important people that helped us get to where we are today. And those decisions were not easy. Mm. And there's no but to that. There's only and and the the company that we are after that is just so much better. Our executive team is half of what it used to be. And not one of the persons that are still on the team are working 90 hours a week. Right. So our. Um, our systems and processes got defined more Tied, uh, tighter because they had to, right? Yeah. Cause we didn't have the head count that was, you know, keeping those plates spinning. Yeah. So we had to create better systems and processes. Um, money was way more critical at least in the beginning because we had no idea what Just, that next day yeah. was going to be like. Right. So we started looking at every possible aspect of the business on you know, top line revenue side and saying like, all right, is this, can we expand this, you know, on the bottom side, like, all right, is this necessary? You know? So we went with a, a line and just like, is this necessary? And we just went through the business and, and black lined and redlined as much stuff as we could, Mm -hmm. took it down to its core and then built back up. Right. We had to get creative. You know, we had to look for money in places that we would have never really looked for, look for money unless we were forced to. When you say look for money, you're talking about revenue gen- generators, like, sure. like yeah, like absolutely, new channels of revenue. Exactly. So, what were those channels? I mean, we 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 created a couple of ghost brands, okay, um, that are still with us today. A vegan pizza concept, okay, and we're just getting ready to pivot one. We just took one outside and shot it, and then we're pivoting that to something else. Um, so we had to get way more creative. We had to get way more nimble. <laughs> we had to get, I mean, you, you, we way more resilient. Yeah. I think this stuff. is, a, I think this is a great transition to one of the questions I had for you. Cause I, I, I follow Bruce Irving. I saw he posted, uh, I saw that you, you did an interview with him recently Yep, and he said, if we're starting a restaurant again today, this is how we're doing it. Or like if Mikey Saboro is starting mm-hmm. a restaurant, this is how he's going to do it. Yeah. Is this kind of tied into like what was discussed in that episode? Like, cause you had to break everything down and you had to build back up. Exactly. So exactly. is this, is this kind of, is there an overlap here? No, absolutely. I okay, mean, that's, so, and that's what comes with that wisdom and that hindsight, you know, that, you know, once you've done something, once you've gone down these paths, you know, you know, then the right way to do it. If you'd have to do it again, Yeah. you know, you wouldn't, it wouldn't take me, it wouldn't take us so long to do it. We wouldn't trip and stumble and fall and, you know, it wouldn't take us years to do. You just know the right way to do it because you had to do it the right way at least one time. Yeah. So I don't know is a question what is it? What, what did you learn about developing ghost kitchen brands? Cause I think that's something I want to learn about. Or what would you do today if you were starting a business? Cause I have ideas of what I would do, but I'm just kind of curious what you would do. Um, 
couple things. One, I would be way more focused than I was in the beginning. Is that the same answer though? Or is that two different answers? Ghost kitchen or starting a restaurant today? Well, I was just curious if the answer is starting a ghost kitchen. If you want to start a ghost, it's like a food truck. Ghost kitchens are like food trucks. You know, I mean, it's just a smaller version of a restaurant. You know, it's a a different version of a a food production facility. Um, There's just less moving parts, you know, so that's, that's, that's a way that, you know, you can fill capacity in your kitchens. Um, it could also be a way that you start your business. You yeah. know, it could be a way that you get your feet wet and decide if this is, you know, what you want to dig into, right? Yeah. Um, so as, as far as the, the bigger question goes, um, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to hire a big person first. You know, like I knew if I was going to be building a team from the ground up, I know I need seven people to get this restaurant where we want it. And maybe those people don't get you know hired immediately, but I have the plan yeah. that if, when we hit these certain points, then we hire these people. When right? to stack the layers on. When to stack the layers, yeah. right? I, that, is, that, that comes with having done this, right? So that and um, once having done this before, you just get better at knowing when to cut the bullshit out. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, 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 you know, a really, you know, kind of, brash way to put it but it, it's you just get better you know if i had to do this again from the ground up i certainly it certainly wouldn't take 12 years to get to the point we're at right now so what would you do take that take us through those layers if we were starting off right now yeah you know first things and what we didn't have in the beginning is i didn't have an idea of how i wanted to grow this i didn't know that i wanted to do just one concept and grow that to multi-unit i and i still i tend to go to um, I like different concepts, you know, like That's, I, I well, you like, identified that when we first started the first interview is like your it factor, your strength is the brand development. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I, that's, that's where I, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning is yeah. creating another brand, yeah. you know, making a space for the people in our community to come and say, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Right? That's, that's what I love. But if I'm going to be, but <laughs> that being said, it's easier to grow multi-unit. I feel, I feel this is my opinion. I think it's easier to grow a single concept with multi-unit than it is to continually develop multiple concepts. You're developing one formula and just hitting repeat, repeat, repeat. Exactly. Exactly. So I think there's a lot less moving parts and it's, you know, you figure out one thing and you figure out one time and then you can just replicate it and keep, you know. Well, I mean, being here in Columbus, it's only, it's very appropriate that we, we, uh, nod our, our head to who was the, Oh my God. uh, Cameron Mitchell. Cameron. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, he said that his secret to scaling all those brands, because he has multiple brands, is sure. underneath the brand, it's the same chassis. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Um, but since your thing is developing the brand, I can see why having one brand is probably more appealing to you. Yeah. You might rather put all that energy into like the best brand. Yep. Right? Is and that- I tell you what, he, I'll give a nod to, you know, I consider him a friend at this point. Nice. You know, we've, we've really... Um, he, he has a little mastermind group of young restaurateurs and I was lucky enough to put that together with him. And, uh, it's, you know, the times we meet with him, which is about five, six times a year. Um, it is restaurant school. Yeah. I love and, that he's giving back. Yes. And if those of you who are unfamiliar with, uh, Cameron Mitchell, like he is a, uh, a restaurant tour that has locations on all sides of the country, you know, East, West, North and in the middle and in the middle. <laughs> I mean, he has, he has, you know, it's a, it's a very big operation. It's a Cameron Mitchell sandwich with, 
Kim and Mitchell Brad. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and not only, he wrote a book too. And if you guys are looking for a good book, I'm going to recommend his book. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. And it is not a good book because, you know, I know his story and I, you know, I'm familiar with it just living in Columbus. It is an exceptional book on being a restaurateur. And it's not a long book. It's an easy book to digest. Um, it's just his story and how, and the thing I like about it, it's not just chronological. You know, it's not just, I did this, I did this, I did this. He goes through lessons along the way and how he's built the system that he's built. And it's a really impressive system. So, yeah. um, absolutely go check that book out. Like yeah. it's, it's, you know, somebody, I, w- I would, I would say that if he was sitting in the room with us, somebody really just asked book. a question in the Facebook group, what's a good book. And I, I wish I mentioned that one. I'm going to have to go back and do that today. Um, okay. There's I'd not be, a lot. There's not a lot of restaurant specific. Everyone, um, everyone goes to Danny Meyer, yeah, which is a great book, but there's a lot of other good. I mean, they're yeah. not, they're, there are a good handful of other ones. There's a, there's there. yeah, there's not, you know, setting the table is kind of like the book, you know, read that first. I'm too comfortable right. around you, Mike. My, my ADD is flaring up bad. Do we ever get to, do we ever round off the, if you're opening a restaurant today, no, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, getting <laughs> we're, 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 we're meandering <laughs> through that, but. Uh, you know, I think I got to having a plan, Yeah, uh, knowing the difference between, okay, do I want to start multiple concepts or yeah. do I want to start one concept and grow that to multi-unit? Um, we have, I, we didn't really know that in the very beginning. So in the beginning, it was just like, you know, for us in the beginning, it was like, okay, we got a line out the door. Let's lean into that. <laughs> you know, cool. We have a line and we'll add another location and then we'll go do this. Our, 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 our growth strategy was exceptionally reactive you know there was mm-hmm. there was nothing proactive about it right so that is something i would do different this next time either i would be very very intentional with the plan to you know start here and then go 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 yeah you're reinforcing so much that's happening in my life right now i think this is kind of a, a good transition into what i want to get into yeah um so there's going to be a pivot happening and it scares me. This shit this is the first time I'm saying it out loud in an interview. There's going to be a pivot that's happening at restaurant stoppable. Um, and there's been a lot of people in the network that's helped inspire me. People have joined the network who've made themselves very vulnerable by putting their vision out to the group yeah. and sharing like, this is what I want to do and having people come past guests and experts coach them publicly. Yeah. Do you know how scary it is to like put your dick out there and to like have people judge it? Sure. <laughs> like publicly, yeah. like that's a scary thing to do. Yeah. Sorry to be like, you know, graphic, but I was like, say very you're graphic, literally Eric. like lifting uh, your skirt up to the world and being yeah. like, this is what I got. What do yep. you think? Yeah. That's what it's, what's, that's what happening. I mean, that's what we do almost every day, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, it's but, very vulnerable. It's sure. a very scary thing when you're first starting a restaurant to say like, this is my vision. This is my yeah. plan. What's your advice? Exactly. It's a scary thing. Cause here's the thing. When you, when you, when you say to the universe, I, I'm, if there's any ladies listening right now, I'm so sorry that I use that example. <laughs> Hopefully you guys keep listening. Uh, <laughs> sorry for that visual. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like that's just a scary thing to do. And it takes a lot of courage, you know, and, and all these people that have joined the network that have come and said, this is my van, this is my plan. This is my vision. And to, to, to have people come and say, you, did you think about this? Did you think about that? And to kind of get broken down a little bit, but to still show up after kind of getting a little dose of reality. Yep. It's just really inspiring. And I, I, and I haven't really been doing that myself as far as sharing my vision. And, and you have to start with a vision, right? And then, and then the progression and why this is really resonating with me right now is I think it's a good time for me to start talking about what I want to do is because I haven't, I don't have a plan or a strategy. I've been like you were before COVID-19, very reactive, Sure, you know, and I I'm trying to get much more intentional, which is why I'm reading the uh, atomic habits. Yep. Cause I'm trying to create a system or routine in my life to get to where my plan is. 
my plan isn't created yet, but I know that I need the habits yep. first yeah. in my life. Yeah. Which for me is my morning routine. Wake up, exercise, meditate, journal, professionally write, mm-hmm. email a past guest, uh, a network member, a future sponsor, and a future guest. That's, every morning. That's that's a hell of a routine, man. That's, it is. That's impressive. But the idea behind these habits is, is like what if you created routines in your life that if you mm-hmm. did it every day, it would have massive impacts on your life. Yeah, right. And those are the things that are the most important in my life. For me, it's just feeding the funnel. Yep. New guests, maintaining old relationships, developing new relationships, right. and making things happen, right? And it's feeding the funnel. It sounds easy. It is. It does, but it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. So um, my I'm... I've been working on my vision. Like my goal is by the end of July to have my vision being shared. Yeah. And I actually, I'm, and I'm saying this out loud because I invited Ari Weinswag, uh, who did a workshop in visioning yeah. in the network to basically coach us through visioning. And, and that was a year ago, and I still don't have my fucking vision, man. <laughs> you know, because, I, because I, I'm afraid to commit, I think. I'm afraid yeah. to put it out there because if it you is. say it, then you're a chicken shit if you don't do it. Exactly. And that's scary. Yeah. So, but once you do, and, you, and, you're, and you're intentional about it, then the universe will conspire to help you exactly. achieve it. And, that's, and that's, that's the whole point, which, which is why you have to share your vision. Yeah. You need a vision. It's not enough just to have it. You need to share it. And right. that's, that's the point. That's, this is, I'm, you're literally like ahead of the, the, the... That's why I'm doing this right now. So my vision, what I would love to do is to use the network to document... If I'm opening a restaurant tomorrow, yep. these are the people I'm going to. I'm going to put myself out there like some of the people I've been doing in the network making themselves making myself vulnerable be like this is what i want to do what's your advice for me so what i want to do oh my god i i want to start so like my my whole thing has always been like i learned to do one thing really well just like pizza yeah do one thing really well and so one of the reasons why i'm here because i admire what you've built and i love your brand i i love calzones man yeah i'm a fucking calzone junkie yeah even like when i was growing up i worked at a pizza place i would show up the parties i would always bring the calzone and i would just get creative and I just love it. As far as I know, there's not a, a single brand out there, maybe one or two actually that yeah. I know of. Stuff Your Face in New Jersey. And there's a brand in uh, Denver that just started not that long called Afterburner Calzones. Yeah. There's a few out there. And there's, you see empanadas popping up. You see bow yep. popping up all over the place. And I'm like, it's happening. Yeah. I was like, Calzones is next. Dude, we got a, we got a really good multi-unit Calzone place uh, here in Columbus. Really? Like, located so, here. And I think they have franchises kind of all over. So I know it's a good idea. Yeah, so you can, you can go to it. After yeah, I'll yeah. have to. I mean, you have to introduce DP me. But like, yeah. yeah, I think that would be something I'd want to do. And I think I'd have a lot of fun with it. And I think it's a good idea. So, but I would want to document that process um, and like, get coached on. So like, if I'm opening a Calzone shop tomorrow, yeah. what's your advice? If, but here's the thing. I'm not just anybody opening a restaurant. Yeah. America Cacciatore opening a restaurant right. with this massive network yeah. with all these tools and resources. You, with you have a hell of a head start. Yeah. So I just <laughs> talked, yeah, I just talked to, um, um, I'm always afraid to say his name because I'm just not very cultural. His name's Sanjeev Rosden. Yeah. And he, I interviewed him yesterday. He came up through Applebee's and IHOP and mm-hmm. Pizza Hut and KFC and brands. I'm not like really love or anything like that. Those weren't the brands like that. I wanted to make an but example, they're impressive but brands. they're really impressive brands and he knows sure. a lot. Yeah. Uh, but he, he graduated sweet green, uh, help scale. Like he, he did a lot there and yeah. now he's with the coffee bean and the, the tea leaf. And he had this really great advice. He said, you need a board of advisors yeah. and a board of peers yeah. and, a, and a board of sponsors. And my unfair advantage is I have a really big board. Yeah. You have a, you have a lot of boards. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I get to get access to the, 
best minds in the restaurant industry and sure. ask me for help. I can, I can ask them for help. Yeah. And I can document that process. That's yeah. See, you're, you're, you're starting off with a bigger runway than most people could ever imagine. And I don't know what's taking me so long. <clears throat> I think part of the reasons why is that I don't have a team. And that's one thing I, I identified in your interview is that you had a team of people to start with. Yeah, we and did. A family I mean, yeah. that you identified like your marriage. I mean, it, it really is. The team was, I mean, a lot of them are still with us today, you yeah. know, but you know, my first thing that I tell people is you got to get obsessed. You know I mean? Like whenever you start, whatever project it is, because when you start out, you're just, you just have an idea, you know, and you, and you're not an entrepreneur at that time. You have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're not a restaurant tour. You have an idea, right? So get obsessed about your idea, you know, get obsessed about it. You know, I used to go to restaurant supplies and just wander around like I was wandering around New York City for the first time, right? Like just jaw hanging open, just like there's where you buy sheet pans. There's where you buy, yeah. you know, giant kettle cookers. There's where you buy, you know, a gallon of banana peppers. There's where you buy whatever, you know. So I would just wander through these aisles and just be like, holy shit, man, this is where you get this stuff. And that was just part of me wrapping my mind around what it would take to open a restaurant, right? So you know, get obsessed about it. Like do whatever you can get obsessed about your name, you know, get on your, you know, start developing your brand. Want, what is want that? Me to t- share my name. Are you comfortable? So, so I mean, is, that's well, a big I move. It's just getting it out there. I don't have to commit to this, but I have to talk yeah. about it. Cause the other thing is I'm so busy talking about other people and what they're doing. I never talk about what I want. This could do. be its own episode. Yeah, but I want to start doing the, the, the purpose of these conversations is to go back to my mentors, yeah. the people that resonate. You're I'm essentially asking you to be a part of my board of advisors yeah. live. Well, I'm flattered. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I love the idea of like pockets of love. Yeah. Right. Love it. Um, Cause that's literally what it is for me. I love this shit and they're yeah. little pockets and it's just like, you're extending this pocket of love. Yeah. Um, the other kind of funny thing, and I'm not really appropriate. I mean, I talked about whipping my dick out earlier today. So I think that's kind of an example yeah. of like now, twice now. Yeah, yeah. Two so, times. Yeah, I'm right. so sorry, ladies. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm so sorry for everybody. Uh, but I love this. So do you know what Calzones translates to in it's not penis, no. but it's, it's underwear. So I started yeah. hash falling hashtag Calzones. Yeah. And it's, it translates to underwear, but like, I, I love your, okay. I don't know why I'm saying this out loud. This is why I'm embarrassed, like embarrassed, but like your brand, your, your pizza dude, right? What would that look like? And what if he was just wearing like underwear, like SpongeBob, like pair, square pants or something, yeah. but it's like dundra. What's a double entendre? Yeah. Calzones. Uh, I will be, well, see, this is what happens when you put yourself out there. I know exactly. So yeah. I'm not going to say that's a bad idea, <laughs> but what I will do, and I forget what kind of sharing this is called. I, you know, I, Back in my days where I was with EO, they had a certain name for it or something. It'll come to me. Anyway, I'm going to share a story that is going to essentially be an, 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 a form of advisement for the question yeah. you just asked. Right? So back in the day, like our brand is very, um, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Well, neither do you know? I. Right. So, you know, it was very easy in that time when we were children yeah. to make a lot of dick and fart jokes when it came to pizza. But I had one rule. What? No matter what the college humor was, no matter what the you know, dick jokes or fart jokes were, that we would keep shit out of pizza. As in, I wouldn't associate poop. anything gross poop with my product. Yeah. All right. So no matter what the humor was, you keep shit out of pizza. Yeah. That's good advice. So there is there is my there is my 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 share with you for that. But underwear doesn't have to be gross. It could also be. Like pockets of love. <laughs> it could be like, I don't we'll know what going. I'm saying. We'll keep going. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But you can have fun with it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you sure. could just kind of like, like playful, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, and not serious and goofy. 
Um, but I think you could just have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and I'm not committed to that idea. I'm just literally spitballing right now. And that literally, that literally popped into my mind this morning and I have horrible ADD, which is the other thing that terrifies me about saying things out loud is because then I'm like, Oh, well that was a bad idea. So what everything I'm just, there's a, there's a, there's a side note, a cliff note that what I'm saying out loud right now is literally just brainstorming in real time. Uh, and that's the fun thing to do. That's why you have these groups, right? That you can actually do that with. And you know, there's, there's, there's a hard thing about being the creative, you know, and this is a lesson that I've learned recently too, is that when you have an idea and the rest of your ecosystem hears it, you know, sometimes you forget that spitballing to them puts them in panic mode. And this is something that I was like, Hey, what if we do, what if we do this? And then that was just an idea. It didn't even, it wasn't even reality to me, but pick your, pick your, whatever it is, your idea. You know, when you, when you say your idea out loud, whether you were serious about it or if you're just like, hey, I was just in the shower today and I thought about this. Your team internalizes that as in, all right, here's Mike's plan. And that was a lesson I had to learn because a lot of times I have to be very, very uh, thoughtful and very choosy about what I, who I bounce ideas off of. And if you do that to the team that is going to be affected by that decision, you put them in panic mode. Yeah. So that was, that was you're something so right. Learn. You're so right. Um, and it's funny because like I just want to be able to have I just want to be able to dream. I'm a dreamer, man. I live in the yep. clouds. I love I love the dream. I love to have ideas, but yeah. it's I, it's I'm afraid to put it out there because of the platform I'm on. Yeah, you know because because thousands of people literally just talk heard me talk about a fucking calzone wearing underwear pockets of love. <laughs> <laughs> That's like hey, so stupid. Here's the thing. You, you got something there. It just needs to find. And, and, and I'm not committed to that idea, but I'm literally yeah. just like having, and it's only because I'm here in this moment, seeing your little dude. And I, I was thinking it'd be fun to like, cause I know your guy, he's still one of your partners, right? The yeah. designer, yep. like to have him like, like, Hey, like draft this and see what it looks like. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. um, who knows? But yeah. like, I see just, what, what a creative needs is you need somebody holding the balloon. Yeah. All right. So the creative, you know, the person that has the ideas, right? They're the balloon. Yeah. You need somebody holding your balloon, right? You need somebody that's grounding you, right? So it's the yin to the yang. It's the, if you've read, um, I think the book I recommended, uh, last time I was Scale. on was, um, no traction traction. Yeah. All right. There's a follow up book to that called rocket fuel. And that is just about the relationship between the, the, the idea person and the actually person that's keeping them grounded. Yeah. You know, so, um, again, it's, it's, it's a really good book to just look back and be like, all right, I'm the idea guy. I need a guy that's actually going to run the business. That's going to get the things done that need to get done. That's going to tell me like, you're an idiot. Yeah. That's a bad idea. And, you know, and here's why, you know, and they have that person to bounce because an, an unbridled creative is a dangerous, is a dangerous thing. So I, I want to prove the point that you made that when you start spitballing ideas and you start sharing stuff, you scare the shit out of your partners. Yeah. So I, I'm getting, I've never been this personal on the podcast. So I, I was dating somebody until recently, Yeah. still talking, but I started getting to the point where I promised her six months, six months. I'll give you an answer as to where. We start because she's like, I want to have kids. I want to have a family. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want those things too, but I want to grow my business first. Sure. You know, that's more important to me right now is because I swim through an upriver of shit for the past eight years to get yeah. to this point where my dreams are actually a reach away Yeah, and I have choices to make and starting a, buying a house and starting a family is not in the forefront for me. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. But you got some work to do first. Exactly. Yeah. So it got to the point five months out or five months in and I'm like, I got a month to make a decision. Right. And I started thinking, like, and all these things are happening where I'm like, by saying yes to one thing, 
you're saying no to a bunch of other things. Totally. And I had to come to that decision. And I started spitballing ideas that were old dreams mm-hmm. that I had that I was just putting out there to see what kind of shit would happen. Yeah. Panic mode. Yeah. Yeah. I scared the shit out of her. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> right? What if I do this? What if yeah, I do this? What if I do this? What if I, what but at the I? same time, I think it's important that we have those conversations to put stuff out there because you need to share yeah. ideas. Um, so who knows what will happen? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like absolutely. Like I've experienced it and it's yeah. been close to my heart, but I'm at this point where it's like, like, do I get distracted? Do I stay on this path? And it's a really hard decision, totally. you know? So yeah. what's your advice for me? Um, I was, I was thinking about something and then you asked me the question and I had, had to pivot here real fast. So, um, finding, I, I, let me, let me use this term for you. Um, you knew I was a snake before you crossed the river. Yeah. You know? So in that instance, you know, where you have somebody that's like, you know, Hey, I want you to change, you know, or I want you to be different. Right. Yeah. Um, you knew who I was before. You know, you yeah. got in. The question is compatibility. Like, you yeah, know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily compatibility because, yeah, the pa- compatibility yeah. absolutely comes yeah. into it, hundred percent. But you know, it's setting you know that standard. That yeah. it's 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 setting that in the beginning that says like, hey, I know I, I I have this thing and this is my dream and this is important to me. Yeah. And you know what I need is you know if you want to be in this, and I have to applaud her. I have to applaud her because that's exactly what she did. She said, yeah. "This is what I want when I want it." Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So like, yeah. You know, and this is this and this is another thing I'm trying to be better about, which is why I want to come back and sit down with people that I'm comfortable around because I need to start opening up and start talking about my stuff and yeah. like getting it out there for the feedback and the vision. Right. Yeah. Do you think I'm overstretching right now? Am I making this too personal? No, but I, th- I think we could do th- I think we should do our own episode. Okay. I ask the questions and we interview. Have you ever done an, ep- an 800 and some episodes? Have you ever done one where they where someone has interviewed you? Yeah. But like I could do more and uh, I think my, my, so back to my strategy, um, my plan, what I, I haven't committed my plan to writing, but what I want to start doing is within the network, restaurant unstoppable network, because a lot of this stuff is very personal, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to start having the, not everybody wants to hear about my shit. You know, they want to hear about other people's shit sure. and like learn. Yeah. Um, but I want to start inviting people like you into the network and saying, Hey man, like, like let's do something, yeah. You know, and if it's a good episode, then we could publish it. The podcast as like a bonus episode or yeah, something exactly, like that. Exactly. But like just starting to be more like more vulnerable within the, a smaller group of people, and then also doing the same thing for other people. I was having a board of advisors, all my past guests in the network, yeah. And like as people are saying, this is my problem. Maybe segment an email list of all my past guests and be like, hey, um, does anybody have a half hour to answer this question? Yeah. Because somebody needs help. Yep. That's that's my vision. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, especially with technology right now, like yeah. that's, that's, that seems like it should be a really easy thing to do. It is. You know? And like, I, and the, you know that just, just start. So like my minimal viable product was just starting just like, Oh, this having this place for people to come and then yeah. be like, what do you guys want? Right. They're like, what, what can I do? How can I serve you? What, what, what value do I bring to this group? And I think the value I bring is this network of amazing people, yeah. generous people, that are willing to help. Yeah. You know, it reminds, it reminds me of my time. I, I mentioned this earlier, like briefly I was in EO for a little while, you know, and if you're not familiar with EO, it's called a entrepreneur's organization. It's a, um, I guess you call it kind of a fraternal organization where you, you know, you, you're, you're paired up with a number of other similarly minded, you know, people. And these are just other business owners. Um, but you know, having a, having a, uh, a restaurant version of that, 
you know, that could have local chapters and stuff. Like I see a lot of value. In that, I do man. see that being potential as restaurant unstoppable grows that have like on site chapters of people that share our core values and our mission. Yeah. Right. And that, that is on the, but you know, start where you can. Right. Sure. Um, yeah, man. So back to the, the advice, like if you were to, I want to start putting myself out there more in the network and, and like, like I mentioned Ari being like, Hey Ari, like you're the person I went to to learn about, uh, visions mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm reading your book and your book is coaching me through vision. Like I've, I think I've executed what you told me to do in your book. Here's what I got. Yeah. What's your feedback? Right. And like, I think that those types of dialogues and along the whole journey from vision to business plan to core values to yeah. finding partners, to creating systems, to marketing, to scaling and using the tools my guests are recommending to us organically. Exactly. So the, our unique selling prop and proposition really is trust that like if you like these tools have, have come to us by way of 800 entries yeah, yeah. of successful people telling us what to do. Right. Now we're acting on it. Yeah. I so mean, that's my vision. Hell of a runway, man. Really yeah. Is. But like I, how do I do both is the question. How do I run the community like that and, and travel around the country and learn and support my network and, and continue to do what I've been doing and how do I open a restaurant? Yeah. Um, Oh shit, man. Yeah. It's hard. It, it really is hard. And for, I mean, let me ask you this. Like, why do you want to open a restaurant? I mean, all you've done is you spend the last eight years, uh, learning about how goddamn Validity. hard it is. Validity. <laughs> you don't think, that's another reason why I haven't shared it because I might've scared myself straight, you yeah. know, like, yeah, yeah. and I think it's good to scare yourself because totally. if you're not scared, you know, like, yeah, there are easier ways to sometimes make money. It's better not to sometimes <laughs> I wish I was ignorant, dude. I wish I, cause it's when yeah. you start to know stuff, like you start going, Whoa, do I really want to do this? Yeah. But I think one, because, okay. So a good example, a podcast I used to listen to, I still, I should listen to more, but I still listen to this day is Pat Flynn's smart passive income. Yep. And that's how I started to learn how to podcast. But what's unique about his podcast is he's, he's podcasting about being a podcaster and making money. Yeah. So he gets to do the thing and podcast about the thing he gets to do. Yeah. I'm podcasting about other people doing the thing that they're doing. And it's hard to podcast about opening a business because opening a business isn't starting a podcast. So he's podcasting about the thing that he's doing. So there's a lot of single, it's a lot of, he's like very slim, very narrow. Yeah. Is that, does that make sense? Totally. So and like, I, I think he's killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just answered your question right there. Yeah. So you know? that's like, why. So, you know, if you, if you, if I can't talk you out of opening your own restaurant and you really want to do it for validity and just to, you know, because you think it'd be easier than just somebody else starting out without the support system. Yeah then you know what do you think about taking a year off of interviewing others and spending that year or so documenting what it takes to actually open a restaurant so well that's you know, kind of the transition that i'm making right now yeah i still wanted to do what i've been doing but i'm going to people past people and then in the network documenting that but i think part of what i need is operating partners i need i think i need partners what do you think let me ask you this you know you you spent how many years now on the road I mean, the podcast is going on eight years, but on the road, four years, four years. So you spent half the time doing this on the road, you know, what part of being on the road do you like? You know, I mean, is that, is that something you're ready to be like, all right, I'm, you know, you can still, especially Honestly, I now. Don't, I, I don't like, I like travel. I love, I love experiencing new places. I love meeting people. I need to find balance. Yeah. I think I've achieved balance this year. Uh, because instead of going on like a three month long road trip and sleeping out in my car and like doing crazy shit, um, I don't, I mean, I've graduated to, I went from my car to people's yards and floors to Airbnbs that are really fucking sketchy to like not so bad Airbnbs to 
sketchy hotels to now I'm like moderately hotels and I don't know. It's getting better. <laughs> but yeah. what I do, if I, I, I do a, a, a two-week road trip or a one-week road trip and I try to get like one month to two months of content at a time and that's better balance. Perfect. Yeah, and you can do these things on your computer now too. You know, I mean, yeah. That, that but then at the same time, been, I could have done it then. But there's something about this. There's yeah. something about this, I. To- I totally agree. Yeah. But if you know, if you need, you know, that's a that's technology has caught up at this point. Yeah. You know, not only technology acceptance adaptability has caught up, right? Yeah. So you know what was kind of novel fringe thing? Yeah. Six, sixteen, eighteen months ago is way more mainstream than it is now yeah. so i mean the ability for us to just you know do this and it's it's awesome being in person like we are right now but you know the last time you know i did a i did a podcast it was with a local guy and he lives two miles away we did it over zoom yeah let me let me get a little bit deeper into my vision because i think we're aligned but i haven't shared enough yet and how are you doing on time you got an, i didn't think this was going to go as long as it is I'm, uh, i apologize about 20 minutes, 20 minutes less i'll try to be quick so what you said I need to do is kind of what I'm doing. So two weeks to a week on the road, getting this kind of content, stretching it out over two months. Meanwhile, I'm going home. I'm working on the network. Mm-hmm. I'm still having these conversations, but the conversations are getting much more intentional. The first thing I'm doing right now is working on my vision. August is business planning. I'm going to restaurantowner.com and he's going to come on the show and he's going to help yeah. me with my business plan and my network members business plan. Right. And then we're going to go to bplans.com and they're going to talk to us about live plan software. So, like, and then we have somebody coming up about financial stability. So it's like all this stuff that I've learned about on the show. And now I'm like, I'm like kind of chronicling in real time. And I'm going to try to be really good about not getting ahead. I don't want the content to get ahead until I've done the thing that we've learned. Sure. 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 So that I am kind of doing that and I'm hoping that by putting it out there, that the universe is going to be like, well, you fucking knucklehead. Why don't you say so? Right. Like we got people. We know people. I know people. The universe knows people like we got you. Yeah. And I, now I think I just have to kind of sit back and see what comes at me because I do think that I need some, I, I think I do need somebody who, and I'm not going to rush into a relationship. That's one thing I've learned, but I do need to like tell people what I want. And I would love to have somebody who's close to me, who I, that I connect with and, and say, Hey, like, Let's do this together. Like you be the operating partner. I work beside you, but you got to know that every month, every two months I got to leave. Yeah. 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 I mean, that just comes with layers. Like I talked about, you know, I mean, I need to start building my layers. Yeah. Maybe that's not, you know, a reality in the first six or eight months. Yeah. But perhaps by the end of the first year. But what I want to start doing also is, is I want to start just doing a pop up Mm -hmm. and just start like playing with recipes and figuring stuff out and documenting that process and putting it out there. The cool thing now is it's easier than ever. Exactly. You know, I mean, third-party delivery platforms. I mean, you ghost kitchens. I mean, you. I, I'm sure. I know in Columbus there's like two ghost kitchen facilities where for twenty five hundred bucks a month or something like that, you know, which is nothing to start off with. You know, you can get a concept started in two weeks. Yeah. You know, and be out there selling it and out there. I kind of have bunny ears right now. Quote out there, but you're out there on third-party delivery platforms. Um, it's it's easier than ever. You know, yeah. a food truck is a hard that's way the, and, to do a ghost kitchen, and that's what I've been preaching. Like you don't. You, your restaurant doesn't start with a brick and mortar. And that used to, people used to think you need to get like a, a million dollar loan or at least $500,000 loan. You need to go to a bunch of different investors right. to start. No, you start where you can. Exactly. And that's with pop-ups, collaborations, totally. uh, even just a blog yep. where you're just telling people what you're doing. Low cost, low risk experiments. The collecting emails, developing your brand, yep. putting it out there, exactly. which is exactly what I'm doing right now. That's when it moves from idea to project, to side hustle, 
you know, and you're right in that, yeah. you know, that's, that's that middle well, thing for when it goes from project to side hustle. The other thing that's been holding me back too, is I always wanted to do it with my own money. And for the first time ever, my cups overflowing. Yeah. I, I'm, I pay myself 60,000 a year Yeah, and I, I literally send $5,000 every month yep. to my personal checking account. And that's all I give myself. Awesome, man. Everything else yeah. goes back into the business. Right. Um, and, and now more is coming, more is coming. I'm not taking more than, and that's, I feel guilty taking 60,000 a year. Isn't that weird? No. Yeah. It, I get, I get what you're, I get where you're at, but you absolutely should not. I know. I, and I realize this, because but it's eight years, man. It is, but I mean, the thing, eight years and, and I've actually never, I, I feel secure. I have health insurance for the first time in my yeah. life. I have a bed. Yeah. I bought a bed, man. Yeah. I'm a grown up. How adult of you. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and I'm getting stability. Um, and I feel like now's the time just to start putting it out there and don't hold me to the, the calzone guy wearing underwear. Like that's, I'm literally just dreaming right now and having fun. Yeah. So if you guys are listening to me, I feel like I'm going to get like a, like a, yeah. I, I can see the comments coming in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but just know that I need to start putting it out there and I need to start dreaming out loud. Dude, you got to start so, somewhere. Yeah. All right. And maybe a little calzone and, and underwear <laughs> is, <laughs> I, I literally, start somewhere. I didn't even have that idea. I'm, well, I knew that calzones meant underwear in Spanish because I started following the hashtag calzones and there's yeah. a bunch of dudes in underwear in my, my feed. And I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Why is well, like, I'm, I swear that like, I'm not searching this stuff. Uh, <laughs> calzones. And I was going, there, there could be some fun with this. We could have some fun with this. Uh, um, that's funny. Anyway, uh, this has been a lot of fun, man. Uh, yeah. Likewise. Any, any final words of wisdom for me? Uh, I would love to have you stay, you know, close to me and, yeah. you know, coach me if you're willing and feel free. I won't be a pain in your ass, but you know, I, I just know I value you and your opinion and I, and I have a lot of respect for what you built here in Columbus. Well, uh, that means a lot. And that, uh, like I said, it's very reciprocal too. you know, 800 you. episodes and eight years of doing this is, uh, is, is a hell of a feat, man. Yeah. Well, you thank know? you so much. Um, no less words of advice, any, any called out guests. So that like I usually say we like after actually first, how can we connect with you? If this is our first time hearing who you are, um, we want to connect with you. Maybe you're hiring. What's the best way to connect? <laughs> we, yeah, we're hiring. Yeah, like everybody else. <laughs> like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> we're hiring. So, uh, so my email is super easy. Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y, at late night slice.com. Um, I mean, if you just Google late night slice, um, you know, check out our restaurants. We put a lot of effort into the experience of going into our restaurants. So, um, you know, we might be a pizza by the slice place, but we're probably a pizza by the slice place. Like you've never seen one before. Yeah. Um, so I do think it's, it's, it's worthwhile to see what we've done with our interiors. Um, our culture, um, is, is, is awesome. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, go check us out. And, uh, who look us up? Who do you respect and admire? Somebody who I haven't gotten on the show yet in Columbus, uh, that you think would make a great guest mentor. Hmm. Great question. I um, or worldwide. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Cameron. He's been a, he's been a, a an incredible mentor. You know these uh, these last few years. You know that we put this thing together. Yeah. And so I'm on a I'm on a I'm in I'm in a group with uh, you know five or seven like restaurant guys who are you know just doing awesome things in Columbus. Um, let's see who would. Shit, I could I could just name them all. There, there was one of my buddies who pivoted from restaurants to uh, cannabis. Okay, and he used to own a uh, sushi chain, and uh, now he's on Fusion. Fusion, yeah, Zach. I yeah. think you actually interviewed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Zach's on cannabis now. And, okay, uh, so he's done with he's done with Fusion. I mean, he's still involved, okay. kind of, but very, very much on the side. Um, yeah, it's. But yeah, that's he has a really awesome story. Nice. Uh, that's that's kind of cool. That maybe a good catch up. Maybe okay. not restaurants, but maybe not this um, trip, but soon. And I, yeah. I see you checking to watch. I know we got to get wrapped up. Uh, just thank you so much uh, for taking the time to continue this conversation and to, to continue to mentor 
my listeners and myself. There is no questioning, man. You are unstoppable. Thanks, man. It was a lot of fun. And just for the record, I'm not committed to anything that I'm saying here. I'm literally just having fun. I have other ideas too, like investing in other people's visions and dreams in the network yeah. and just documenting that. Cause I think that's what lights me up is creating opportunity for others yeah. and, and like helping others grow. I'm just yeah. going to end it there. Don't, yeah. don't judge me. Don't, Good, don't hold I mean, me to anything. When I, th- when I thought about that, I thought about just like throwing my drink at you and be like, really? No, no, I'm kidding. Okay. God damn. <laughs> All right. Um, my anxiety is going to simmer down over the next five minutes. Thank you guys so much for listening until next time. Peace out. Well, there we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks again to our guest today, Mikey Sorboro. Awesome stuff. Uh, it was so great reconnecting with you, and thank you for your advice, uh, letting me share my vision with you, and I know it's it's silly. I'm having fun. I'm opening up. I'm getting more vulnerable on the show, and I hope you guys uh, appreciate it. Um, and I'm excited for the future, and I'm, I'm hoping you guys are too. What I plan to do with the podcast in the future is really to start using it to, to be self-serving, to uh, start where I can if I do want to open a restaurant. And for me, that's just going to be with developing a brand and getting out there and doing collaborations and just sharing the vision. And I think that's where we can all start. So in the the, the coming months, uh, there's going to be a lot of content around the basics, budgeting, uh, st- business planning, strategic planning, things of that nature. And the, the reason for this is because I'm trying to lay the foundation uh, of w- what we can do to start. And I think these are the most important skills you need to have. And then I'm going to be using the network and the podcast to, to really chase my curiosities because the chances are if I'm going through this process, I'm curious about something you're curious about it too. Uh, so if you want to be a part of these conversations and be a part of this journey uh, of opening a restaurant and, and you guys are going through it yourself and you don't want to do it alone, you don't have to. We're doing this together in the network and I would love for you guys to be a part of it. Head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com. Be a part of the conversation and let's support each other. Um, we meet multiple times a week, every Tuesday and Thursday from noon to one Eastern time. Uh, we also do pure mentoring where my guests come on and you guys get to connect with my guests. It's a lot of fun and I'm interested to get your feedback and literally create what you guys want. So head over to restaurant unstoppable network, join the network, be a part of the conversation. Uh, I'd love to get to know you. And, um, what else do I need to mention? Oh, right. I wanted to mention that I, uh, if you're interested in media or uh, just editing or just producing social media or documenting anything along those lines, multimedia, and you're passionate about the restaurant industry, we want to take Restaurant Unstoppable on the road and we can use all the help we can get. So uh, reach out to us because it would be cool to have a network of media producers uh, who are maybe trying to get in front of more restaurant owners. I can help you network. Uh, but if you're interested in being a part of the Restaurant Unstoppable team uh, in any fashion reach out to me eric at restaurantstoppable.com uh shoot me a one pager a resume letting me know why you think you would be a good fit for restaurant unstoppable and who knows what will happen but we gotta start the conversation all right that's it for today until next time peace out